Hello and welcome to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we chat to industry experts to get a view on what's happening on the ground and indeed about new trends emerging within the construction industry. The show is brought to you in partnership with Place Engage, a data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Barrett, Whole Life Carbon Project Lead at the Irish Green Building Council. Stephen, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, Stephen, I'm delighted to talk to you about Whole Life Carbon and your work with the Irish Green Building Council. Um, But first, I think we must extend our congratulations to your colleague, Pat, who has just taken the chair of the European Network of the World Green Building Council. Um, So that's that's huge for Ireland and for the Irish Green Building Council. So please pass on our congratulations. Will do. Um, so, Stephen, tell us a little bit first before we get in, you know, there are certainly some initiatives we'd like to get into in specific detail. But maybe first of all, you might just remind people of the work of the Irish Green Building Council and maybe how your work as the Whole Life Carbon Project lead fits into that. OK, so um, the Irish Green Building Council, for those who have never heard of us, we've been going for, I think it's 13 years now. We're a membership organisation. Um, and we're primarily there to um, to support our members and guide them into more sustainable building practices. Um, so we offer a lot of um, training and we do a lot of research, a lot of funded research. Um, and we use that research to inform the training, pass it on to the industry. Uh, we've seen massive growth in the last couple of years. Um, I think numbers have more than doubled in the last couple of years um, and, and as a result our team has has grown massively in the last just in the last one year as well to to keep up with that demand um, my role specifically is looking at all things related to carbon and whole life carbon refers to everything from the carbon cost of mining materials out of the ground all the way through energy of running a building to um deconstructing a building and incinerating parts of it some point in the future. Um, so, yeah, I look at anything to do with carbon, really. Um, Stephen, in your opinion, uh, how far have we come? Because it seems like there's certainly a lot of noise. There's a lot of people saying the right thing about working towards more sustainable building practices. But on the ground, what are you seeing? There is a lot of noise and it's good noise. <laughs> Um, uh, I'm really pleased to hear it, but it is a bit of a wild west, um, particularly looking at whole life carbon, which the project that I'm going to talk to you about today is about trying to um, calm that wild west, because currently we're seeing people doing all kinds of assessments, using all kinds of data and all kinds of assumptions about their buildings, about the lives that those buildings are going to have to come up with their figures. Um, the problem with that is everybody's making all kinds of different assumptions and therefore all kinds of different claims. Um, and what we need to do now and what this project aims to do is kind of put a structure for construction to work within in order to do that consistently. Um, Stephen, am I am I somewhat naive to think that um you know, what you describe as the Wild West and what some might describe as uh, greenwashing. You know, I, I certainly 
believe that um, this is coming from a place of of trying to get it right. So, for example, one of the global organizations I'm involved with and that we support is PropTech for Good. So we look a lot at the technology enabling um, the collection of data so that that data can then be used. And I, I suppose one of the things that have uh, emerged over the last decade are these private certifications. And they're very confusing because there's so many certifications that we've real estate organizations genuinely trying to do the right thing. And they're working towards a certification independent of their own organization, only maybe to find out that that certification isn't based on metrics that are really aligned with the sustainability goals that they have. Yeah, I think definitely it's coming from a place of trying to do the right thing. Um, and the problems with the certifications is that they all have different approaches to doing that right thing. Um, so when you try to compare two buildings, especially two buildings at the design stage, you need to have your um, your tools for assessing them um, consistent in order to do any kind of comparison of them. And if one's BREEAM and one's LEED and you've measured them completely differently, or you've included different parts of those buildings in your two assessments, then obviously you can't compare them. Um, so we need to, we need a standard methodology for the country so that all buildings are assessed using one methodology. So you can look at a building and compare it to another and know that they've been looked at the same way um, in order to understand which one is the lower carbon one. Okay, like different approaches to doing the right thing is is almost a separate issue. Nationally, do we agree on what the right thing is? Um, yeah, well, the Climate Action Plan calling for a 50% reduction by 2030 um, across the board, uh, that's kind of, you know, our overarching aim. Um, construction... Uh, constructing and running buildings is around 38% of all carbon emissions in Ireland at the moment. 14% um, is in construction. Um, I think I've got these figures right. Um, between 11 and 14 is the actual construction. And then the other um, 24 or whatever it is, is running the building. So um, construction is significant. Um, and we need to be looking at it consistently. If we're going to half it this decade, we need to know what it is that we're trying to half exactly. Um, I, I'm glad that you've brought it back to the Climate Action Plan because when when the targets were first set out, they seemed like bold targets. But actually, our our attempts, our efforts, we haven't had a good start. No, and in construction, I think that's because we don't have um, we don't have the set method for measuring them yet, um, and we don't have any uh, regulatory requirement to measure, especially embodied embodied carbon at the moment. We have operational, but there is no requirement at all to measure your embodied carbon. Um, so we're really at the start of looking at half of the sum. The sum is embodied carbon plus operational carbon equals whole life carbon. We've got operational in the sense that we have regulations and we have measurement. Embodied, there's nothing. We're right at the beginning. Um, okay. Can you break down exactly what uh, embodied carbon comprises? 
Yeah, so embodied carbon are the emissions caused by uh, producing materials. So that would start with, in the case of concrete, for example, mining, um, bringing your raw materials to a processing plant and creating a product, whatever product that is. So it usually starts with mining, um, bringing them to site, creating the product and getting that ready uh, to the factory gate. You've then got um, the emissions of bringing materials to site and the actual construction process. Um, embodied carbon also includes the likely replacements that you're going to need for parts of the building during its life cycle. So if you've got a very complex building with parts that, that you know aren't going to last the lifetime of the building, say they're going to need replacing every 10 years, in a 50-year in a lifetime, that's four more replacements over the life cycle of the building. And you need to include that too. And then the deconstruction of the building. Are these things going to be incinerated at the end of their life, which is more emissions? Are they going to go to landfill? If it's landfill, that equals methane, which is a which is a greenhouse gas more potent than uh, carbon dioxide. So all these things need to be thought about, as well as obviously the operational from uh, the gas, oil, or whatever it is that you're using to run the building during its lifetime. Um, in terms of sustainable building practices, um, you know, over the last number of years on the show here, I'm a very vocal supporter of offsite and other modern methods of construction. Um, and I suppose there's uh, an assumption that they are more, that MMC is more sustainable by default. Is that a reality? Uh, in truth, we don't know. There is that assumption, but we haven't done the measurements consistently yet to find out. Um, the project that we're working on, uh, Project Indicate, we're aiming to apply a methodology to, to our standard building practices today so that we can set a baseline. And once we understand that baseline, we can then apply that same methodology to MMC and see how it matches up. Well, let's um, talk about let's talk about this project. Uh, indicate um, when uh, first of all, maybe just explain what the project is because it's definitely something that we need uh, your members, we need all members of the industry to get involved in because this is is it fair to call it really a data collection exercise at the, uh, in the first phase? Yeah, yeah, that is it's fair to call it that. So, so the indicate project, uh, the aim of it is to establish a methodology for measuring whole life carbon and then apply that to as many building projects as possible, standard buildings, not amazing super green buildings, um, standard projects to just establish where we are today. So to establish a baseline so that we can then work from that to try and improve. So um, we have the methodology. It's based on international standards and it's based on EU levels, which I don't know if your listeners are familiar with, that's the EU's framework for what it considers to be the, the important objectives in sustainable building. Um, so it's based on those two things, international standards and the levels framework. Um, and we're trying to get as many case study buildings done as possible, um, normal standard buildings to get those baseline figures. Um, and from there, we can then start setting targets and looking at what are the solutions to, to reaching those targets. 
Um, we want to do 50 or 60 so that we've got a kind of a robust data set. And it's also an opportunity, I think, for industry to learn about this because this is coming in legislation. There's an update to the EPBD, the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive. Um, and it's currently in its draft form, but it includes whole life carbon assessment. Um, so this is coming one way or another. Um, this is a good opportunity to, to learn about it because it, it is quite complex to begin with, but once you have everything in place, then it shouldn't be too difficult. It should be something that kind of chugs along in the background if you've got all your workflows set up right. Um, so what we're doing is we're appealing to projects to get involved, learn and understand and feedback, not just their results, but also their experience and their ideas for this methodology. Because ultimately, the methodology will be given to the SEAI with a recommendation that that be the methodology for doing whole life carbon assessments in Ireland going forward. Very good. In terms of the data that you need, those data points um, at a project level, are they available? Uh, it depends on the project. Some projects are very well organised and they have great bills of quantities, which is the main thing. Having a bill of quantities for the materials that go into the building is is 90% of the work. Um, if you've got that, then we've got the method to apply to it and all of the assumptions that you make about the future. We can supply all that. So it's really just getting that bill of quantities together um, and the rest is almost automated already. It's currently an Excel spreadsheet in its prototype form, but it is evolving. And we would expect um, in the coming months and years to start seeing this in BIM tools. Um, there, are, there, there are a lot of um, QS softwares beginning to appear. Um, and so you've got kind of QS carbon accounting softwares and design softwares that track embodied carbon as you design or as your project evolves. Um, so kind of understanding where this is going to fit in in your workflow, I think, is a real benefit if you're involved in this project. But you also want it to be dynamic and, and for it to evolve. Uh, 50, 60 case studies doesn't sound like a huge amount. Um, like, is it your is it your intention? I, I appreciate that you know you're you're using Excel format at the moment, but is it your intention to apply machine learning to this to be able to create maybe some dynamic um tools as well for the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think um essentially it's just one long equation currently sitting in Excel. There's no reason that that can't be put into other softwares, um design and um quantifying software as well. So uh, I'm, I'm currently talking to a couple of different software developers um, about how you would do that. But yeah, I would expect um, for a designer that the numbers would add up in their BIM as they're designing. And for a QS, the numbers, the carbon numbers would add up alongside the cost numbers as they're putting together a cost report. Um, it occurs to me that maybe working directly with cost consultants, um, could that be a shortcut to, to getting the data that you need, as well as bodies that are out there like the CIF, like MMC Ireland, like others 
who are actively working toward this, you know, perhaps Lean Construction Ireland, other other bodies like that. Um, because, you know, only very recently at an MMC um, event, I heard um, is, it was actually somebody from Turner and Townsend in Ireland describe the two currencies of construction, cash and carbon. And I thought that was a really good way for effectively a, a cost consultancy to put this forward. It makes for a much more compelling case when you're seeing the business case work side by side. I mean, is that something that that is even a consideration for you at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. And um, and some of the best assessments that we've had back have come from cost consultants because they have that overview of everything and and one really important aspect of it is that you do include everything. It's easy to omit parts of the building um, if you are doing this life cycle analysis separately. If you're doing it alongside costing, then, you know, your money has to add up. So if your LCA is attached to that, then your LCA will add up too. Um, so I think, yeah, cost consultants, QSs are the best placed at the moment. Um, but we do need other designers' involvement because by the time they get involved, it's it's quite late in the process. We need the beginning as well. We need people at the start of the process to understand that the materials that they choose mm -hmm. have a carbon cost attached to them as well as a financial cost. So so setting off in the right path, on the right path in your design is really important rather than your cost consultant saying, whoa this is way too carbon heavy, go back and start again. Better yeah. that you know at the start um, the likely outcome. Stephen, I'm very aware that sometimes, you know, I can be like the the uh, proverbial uh, man or woman with a hammer and um, tend to see every problem as a nail. But I, I do believe that offsite and MMC holds is such a, a key to, I, I suppose, to unlocking mm. this that, you know, um, you know, I, I, it, to me, it occurs that um, we are nowhere near the level of adoption that we need to be, but there's been a huge acceleration. So, is this something actually that because we're we're uh, while it is an emerging sector, it's something that the data could be perhaps new data that isn't available in other jurisdictions that actually Ireland might actually be able to generate some. Um, some new data that would actually be helpful here in terms of guiding policy, in terms of actually accelerating our jump towards um, achieving our targets under the action, the climate action plan, because we've had such a poor start to to hitting our um, targets under the action plan. It almost feels like we need to leapfrog. Um, are, like, are 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 we at a point where? Do we need something to accelerate us a little? Uh, yeah, and I think MMC definitely, in theory, will be lower carbon. You've got much less waste. You've got much less on-site work to do. Everything's in a much more controlled environment. If you've got clean energy, then, then you're going to have a lower embodied carbon score. You've got better control of air tightness. Um, but what we need to do is prove it by measuring compared to a conventional building and seeing what that difference is. I think if you can prove that, then it really does strengthen the case for it. 
Um, Stephen, where are you in terms of the Indicate project? I know there's been a number of workshops happening um, and obviously we want people, uh, we want companies out there still to get involved. So mm. what stage is the project at and how can members of the industry maybe who aren't currently members or who aren't currently involved, how can they get involved at this point? And they can get in touch with me. Um, the project still has quite a way to go, but there is... Um, there is an urgency to get cases done so that we can analyze them, discover where the hotspots are, that kind of thing, and look for solutions. So we're actually offering a financial incentive because we do know it takes time to pull all this data together. So um, for we're, we've actually said that anybody who can, can complete an assessment by September the 15th, there is payment for their time available. Um, so. Uh, the best thing to do is get in touch with me. Um, I can I can give them the methodology. I can coach them in what needs to be done. What I've tried to do with it is simplify it to the point where you just need to be putting in your um, your inventory of materials and your if you have any energy modeling results. Those they're the only data that need to go into it. Um, the rest of it is automated. Um, but it's quite a complex um, calculation, and I'm here to kind of uh, advise people on how to navigate it. So, best thing to do is just get in touch with me, and um, I'll give you I'll give you the methodology, and then I'll listen to your feedback, and you will be hopefully uh, influencing the event the the ultimate methodology that's given back to the SEAI as the national. Um, procedure, if you like. Excellent. Um, and look, that's so important. When it comes to driving any change across any industry, there there are always drivers. And those drivers, you know, might be the marketplace or it might be um, um, climate action. It might be financial concerns. It might be regulatory concerns. Um, in terms of the drivers here, um, and particularly if we focus in on regulatory, has that been enough of a driver? Is there the sense of urgency you think mm. that is appropriate? No. <laughs> the thing that's driving it currently is money, um, is investors asking for whole life carbon assessments um, of projects that they're thinking of investing in. So the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, SFDR, that's been a bigger driver than the EPBD, you know, the specifically construction one. It's more the finance one that's currently driving it. Um, and we are seeing people coming to us asking about it. And when we ask why, it's because the answer is always investors are asking for it. When the EPBD comes, that will kind of hopefully be the final push. But currently, it's all the money asking the questions. Um, so it's the market driving it right now. And um, the regulation is playing catch up. How sustainable is that? if we want to robustly have some chance of meeting the targets under the action plan? Um, um, good question. I think it, it's moving too slowly. Um, the, the problem that I have is that because it's not a requirement, it goes to the bottom of the to-do list. Um, once it's a requirement, then, you know, it has to stay on the list. Um, right now, it just keeps getting pushed down the road. So we need, um, we do need a 
um, a stick. We've uh, we do have carrots in that the industry wants this, but um, it's not something that you can just put in place with the click of your fingers. It is it's something that needs careful consideration, and people are busy. It gets pushed back without that floor to stand on, that regulatory floor. Then it's not going to get. Uh, it's not going to have a solid foundation. Um, I suppose, I, and I appreciate this is kind of a best guess uh, scenario that I'm asking you, um, but when do you expect to see a regulatory floor there? Well, we know that the draft has 2027 um, penciled in as the starting point for it being a requirement to report on your whole life carbon. Um, it's already in in um, Holland, France, Finland. Denmark actually already has limits as well as not just reporting requirements, but limits too. Um, so we're definitely behind the curve here. Um, so yeah, 2027 is the draft start of requiring the reporting. When you think about it, that's just for reporting. It's not for, uh, there's no limit there. It's just let us know how well, badly you're doing. Um, so by the time you actually get uh limits in place we're looking at almost the end of the decade which is far too late for halving it uh -huh. um so yeah we're we're currently quite far behind i think okay and look if anything that really emphasizes the need for the industry to take the lead to establish best practice here and not wait to be dragged with that stick that you're calling for um and in terms of the indicate uh clinics and workshops when is your next workshop scheduled for or online meeting um, good question. We had one just uh, on Wednesday, so the next one will be the 23rd. Of this month? Yes, 23rd of August. 23rd of August. Great. Okay, well, look, we would definitely urge the industry to get involved. Um, certainly, it's something that will be of benefit to the entire industry. And if the information is there as it should be, I, I just can't even imagine there is a project of any significance that wouldn't have the bill of quantities at this point. Um, then certainly that information should be shared for the benefit of the industry. So, Stephen, thank you so much for um, taking the time to go through that with us today. And, you know, it, it's a it's a topic that can be complex and it's difficult to understand. Um, again, there is a lot of noise around this. So it's, it's difficult to understand what companies can do to genuinely work towards being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So I appreciate you um, actually sharing the information about the Indicate project. But also I would encourage anybody listening in to get involved. Um, if you're looking for a good starting point, I, there can be no none better. And the time for this is now. So that was Stephen Barrett, uh, Whole Life Carbon Project Lead with the Irish Green Building Council. My thanks to show producer Katie Tallon and to the production team at Hear Me Roar Media. Also, my thanks to Place Engage for making these conversations possible. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other construction and real estate shows on iProperty Radio. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio. <laughs>